You're listening to How To with Katie and Suze, a podcast created for the young Christian who wants to understand faith in real life. These are your hosts, Katie Hathaway and Suzanne Rhodes. Hey y'all, we are so stinking excited for today's episode. It is going to be a great one. We have two guests today talking about mental health and their own walks with uh, their mental health journeys and the people around them. Uh, The first one is my sister, Mary Grace Hathaway. I'm personally excited because y'all are getting to meet someone who's known me the longest outside of our Lord Jesus Christ. I cannot wait for y'all to hear from her. She is such a funny person. I mean, her name on this Zoom is literally Chicago's funniest person, which is just iconic. And it shows so much about her and her joy and her excitement for life. And um, we are so excited to talk with her today about mental health and her walk with mental health and how it has transformed transformed her life and also um, the people around her and how we have learned from her and learned with her and we're just so excited. Well I would just like to clarify that my name being Chicago's funniest person on here really does not say that I'm funny it says that I like a cheap joke. I Um, mean a joke is a joke you know what I'm saying? Nope but sure. (laughs) Okay well tell us a little bit about your story with mental health and surrounding um, yeah, surrounding mental health and, and your journey and your uh, testimony, if you will. There's not a really good way to say it, but I started experiencing depression when I was 13, um, which for me manifested in uh, just overall numbness, uh, lack of interest in activities, uh, good little amount of self-hatred sprinkled in there, but um that's also pretty normal for eighth grade. So I wasn't really sure if that was a new thing or, or what. Um, I've also had anxiety since I was like seven. Um, Katie, I don't know if you want to keep it in, but it was starting with, uh, the, um, when dad went to the hospital. Um, so, uh, I, yeah, I've had depression since I was 13. Um, it was not treated at all until junior year of high school where I started going, I started going to therapy. Um, and then that ended because my therapist had a baby. So she took maternity leave and I just didn't go back. Um, and then I went to college and it didn't get better. And so I got on medication starting uh, my second semester of my freshman year. And how have you seen, so are you back in counseling now? I, yes, I do have a therapist now. Yeah, we both have been to counseling and um, I think it is such an incredible tool that is not talked about often enough. And um, Corinne Allen, who we actually have had on the podcast, um, we just talked with her and she was one of the people that Uh, took away a lot of the stigma around counseling for me. And so I was really enthusiastic to go uh, while I was in college and work through a lot of things that um, I didn't realize were traumatic events in my life, like little T traumas that people wouldn't clarify as trauma, but were were traumatic events in my life. Um, So I agree with you championing, I champion counselors. I can't, uh, commend them and all that they do because they are incredible people and they just have a way to help you see situations differently. That's really helpful. What's an encouragement you would give to your 13-year-old self? I don't know if it's an encouragement, but I, I would just tell her, 
you have persistent depressive disorder, it can be treated with medication. It's not forever. It doesn't have to be forever. Um, but it's real, and it's not good. It's not fun. But um, you can, you know, you, it will get better. Once you're on medication, it will get better. That's beautiful. I think there's so much um, hurt in some Christian circles around medicating anxiety and depression. And I think um, I want to be a person that says, yes, there's a spiritual warfare side of it. Yes, there is a situational side of it. There's also a medical side of it. And I'm grateful in our relationship that we've both been able to seek like all you've been able to seek all three levels and I've been able to deal with the more spiritual warfare and, and situational side of it. And it's been, it's been cool for me to watch you benefit from medication. Yeah. I mean, I remember, um, there were a lot of sermons at our youth group that were like, sometimes God says yes. And sometimes God says no. And sometimes God says, wait, you know, when you pray and, um, I tried to pray the depression away and it didn't work because it was a chemical imbalance in my brain. And it turned out what God was saying to my prayers was not really no, it was you need to go see a psychiatrist. <laughs> Which is why they exist, right? I mean, they exist because there's medical depression and medical anxiety that, that yes, we should start with prayer and we should start with conversations with a counselor. But I, I appreciate that when it came time to it, you were able to seek medication and additional help. Yeah. And it doesn't invalidate my faith to have medication. It just is a part of it. Yeah. I hope if someone's listening that is on the fence about getting medication or not getting medication, they hear you say it does not invalidate your faith to have medication to help you with medical anxiety and depression. Yeah. Um, not only does it not invalidate your faith, it, uh, for me, helped reinvigorate my faith because instead of just praying over and over for something to change and it not changing, something changed. And because God invented science and science gave us medication. Mm, that's beautiful. Okay, I'll stop hijacking the interview, Suze. You can talk now if you'd like. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, it's okay. I, I obviously don't have the chemistry that you two have. We are sisters at heart. Yeah, yeah. Um, how would you encourage the people around someone who is struggling with mental health? Oh, yeah. Um, so one of the things that depression tells you is that you are worthless and you don't deserve to be loved. Um, so just like showing up for somebody who's depressed, showing up for somebody who has anxiety, um, continuing to invite them to things, like even if they say no because they're super depressed and they don't want to go anywhere, just knowing that you care enough about them to continue to reach out and be like, hey, I want you here. I, I value your life. I value you being in my life. You know, that sort of thing. It's easy for us to say like, oh, they said no two times. Like, I'm just going to stop inviting them or whatever. But I, I, I agree with what you're saying and I hear what you're saying of continue inviting, continue reaching out and, and just showing up. And sometimes all people need is someone to sit there and just to know that they're not alone. Well, Mary Grace, do you have any other comments or questions? Um, yeah. So one of the reasons why I was able to muster the courage to do this, even though having my words broadcast in some sort of public format is a nightmare to me, 
um, is because theoretically, well, y'all at least will, will be influencing a church at some point. You will be like making decisions at a church and um, the church can do a lot to help with mental health. And it's really an area that it's not particularly great at at the moment. Um, so if I can, you know, if telling, if talking about what I went through helps like even just one kid, then that's worth it to me. So the church needs to partner with uh, psychologists and real mental health professionals in order to create a system where every leader is trained uh, in spotting common symptoms of mental health um, and in spotting just people who are really struggling and then giving them giving them options saying hey look you're not broken you're just sick and that's okay just any way to bring real mental awareness into the church real mental health awareness sorry mental awareness isn't a thing uh real mental health awareness into the church is is really important thank you for sharing mary grace you have really given us an interesting perspective to think about so thank you for just being real and sharing your story and we really appreciate that well also joining us on the podcast today is is emma butler emma is a master's of mental health counseling student so tell us about your journey with mental health yeah so um it's a fun one really um i it's it's interesting because it really starts back from like such a young age, but you just don't realize how early it starts back until you understand like what you were dealing with later, you know? And so I would really say it started when I was like four because I would just have these intrusive thoughts come in out of nowhere. And I would believe that they were real. Like, I thought a lot about like existential stuff when I was a kid and like the meaning of life and like what heaven would be like, all this stuff. Anyways, I, I, I digress. Um, I would say it really though started officially in eighth grade because eighth grade was when I started realizing that death was not just a like part of my imagination and just something that you know happened to other people uh, I had a very fortunate childhood where I didn't have to experience loss and grief in my childhood or like suffering really at all which was so fortunate and so really it wasn't until eighth grade when I was like 13 or 14 when I started just kind of growing up and realizing you know, oh, people can die. Like, people really can die. Like, I can die, you know? And, like, I just couldn't let go of it. Like, I couldn't let go of that reality and that thought. And so I just started having panic attacks all day, every day. Like, honestly, probably, like, 10, 15 times a day, I would have, like, full panic attacks all during school, after school, before school, at home, at dance, like, 
it just became a constant part of my life. And I'd always been this like really happy, joyful kid with, you know, and like seemingly nothing wrong in my life. Like nothing was happening to me, but I just couldn't shake this anxiety and this like obsession. Finally, my parents were like, you know, maybe we should have her see a counselor. <laughs> and it was funny because like nobody else in my family had seen a counselor for anything. Like my whole upbringing, like that was never discussed because nobody ever had to see one. So it was finally like, well, I guess she might need to see a therapist. Oh man, she's lost it. You know, and that's how it felt. And so I was like, so ashamed to walk into my counselor's office in eighth grade thinking I had like just totally lost my mind and I was like nuts you know and turns out uh, my counselor you know sits across from me and just validates me and it's like oh yeah you've had that thought so have I oh yeah you've had that same and she's just probably like 15 to 20 years older than me she was she's was young and the like power of validation and the attunement she had to me where she just like totally saw me for who I was and the fears I had and for how crazy I thought I was like just her being able to sit across from me and validate me and then lead me in exercises and months and months of working with her and starting on a an anti-anxiety medication which was also a very kind of like taboo topic too of oh no medicine like you know it's like a if you're on it you know we've got to be on it short term and like we can't really tell anyone about it and just because that's just kind of like you know I'm in the south and I just feel like that's kind of the environment here I don't know and especially like being raised in the church and um you know it's not talked about really like at all and so I finally was able to get this counseling and medication and and because of this counseling and medication I was able to start like processing more and being able to think more clearly and that's what led me to really start processing my relationship with God and being like okay so where is he in this? And what's up with death? Like, why is that a thing? Like, why are we here? What are we doing? And instead of just being an anxious ball about all of those things, I was able to finally, like, be calm enough to be like, okay, so why are we here? And kind of just bring it to God. And I just remember Romans 8 freeing me completely because I knew that I did not have to live in my flesh. Like, like I didn't have to live by my flesh, but rather I could live by the spirit and have life and like have the benefits of life and like see what God wants for my life. And I knew that he wanted so much for me. And so it was just really, really beautiful to be able to see how much he cares and loves me in this brand new light in a way I'd never seen before. And really like, I wouldn't have been able to have seen that at all if it wasn't for this anxiety that I had. And if it wasn't for the help I had received. 
I was going to say um, that the way you speak is always like, you always come to a conclusion when you talk and I love it because it just is always, I don't know. I just love, I, I could listen to you talk about anything all day long. It really is fun to just hear you. Um, and you're not a vocal processor either, but it's like the way you speak about things is really beautiful. And the way you speak, especially about mental health and counseling is really beautiful. Okay. I have a question. So how, so your journey with mental health you mentioned a few different times, like your family coming and stepping in. You mentioned your counselor. So there were other people involved in your mental health journey. So how would you, looking back or even looking forward, encourage someone else who has a friend who's struggling with mental health? How can they encourage their friend? So if the person listening to this has people in their lives or is a person who struggles with mental illness, how can they encourage their people or themselves? Yeah, that's a really important question. And I think the best thing for me personally that was most helpful was just having somebody sit with me, not try and lift me up, not try and take me out, but just sit with me. And, you know, whether it's if I'm like in the middle of a panic attack or after or I'm just venting about how tough it's been. The ultimate thing that has been the most helpful is just having somebody sit there with no judgment, with no rush for me to just get better and no like pressure for me to just snap out of it or think positive or be grateful. <laughs> and like without those things, and just having somebody just say, I could only imagine how hard that is. Do you want to tell me more about it? You know, it's like, holy crap. Like, the freedom you get from that is incredible. And so I would say just to have somebody attuned to you when you are discussing your issues with mental health is huge, huge. I um, want to affirm you again in the fact that you do that. And I have benefited by the way that you have listened to me and our friendship. And I've learned that from you. And I appreciate that about you. And um, I think even if people aren't struggling with mental illness, attuning to your friends is huge. And just actually listening and being present is um, a way that we can show Christ to one another because that. I, I think of Jesus as like the person that kneels down with the kid to make sure they're eye to eye with them. That's how I picture Jesus. And I picture that in a friend that's attuning to a friend of like making sure they are eye to eye and um, listening to each other and really caring about one another. So I think that's a really beautiful thing. Um, Emma, we have one final question for you. What is your life verse that you have either carried with you through mental health journey or... Um, has been impactful. You mentioned Romans 8, which is a beautiful chapter, but do you have either a specific verse from Romans 8 or just another verse in general? Isaiah 41.10. Here we go. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you with my righteous right hand. Okay, that's Isaiah 41.10. That has genuinely been my life verse because, especially with with mental health especially, because it just reminds me that I really 
even when I am afraid, I know that I don't have to be afraid. Like, actually, even if I'm anxious, I don't have to be genuinely afraid of anything because God is with me. And that in itself means everything. Like, the fact that I can say he is actually here with me is the biggest gift and something that just can never even be like understood really yeah so it's just it's always encouraging to read that today and think about it today because i know it's still true well emma thank you so much for just coming on the episode today and being so honest and willing to talk and we are beyond grateful for just listening to you, what an honor it was to just hear your story and to hear you talk. I absolutely loved it. Um, so as we move into our benediction, may we extend grace and empathy towards our brothers and sisters who may struggle with mental illness. May we realize the courage of asking others for help. May we continue to be bold advocates, champion mental health awareness in the church. And as always, may we go in grace and peace to love and serve the Lord. Thank you for joining us, everyone, and we'll see you next time.